0: Hello Operatives, welcome to episode 12 of Once Upon a Kill Team, the podcast about narrative play in Warhammer 40k Kill Team.
1: I'm Jason. And I'm Sean, and we want to talk to you about building stories around the gameplay in this grim, dark, terrible universe. In this episode, we review the latest big box Kill Team release, Into the Dark. From the perspective of how good it might be for narrative players, are the teams Kill teamy enough? Does the new indoor terrain lend itself to good storytelling? We're gonna find out.
0: Yeah. But as always, before we get to the meat of the show, more on that later, it's Hobby Corner.
1: What have you been up to, Sean? Well, since we since we last spoke with Sawyer, I've been on a lovely holiday in Italy and doing very little hobbying whatsoever, apart from a sprint on either side. For the Intercessor Challenge, I was trying to get my sergeant that was essentially starting from scratch yeah I'd already mostly built him I was just finishing him up and then I primed and started painting anyone who's following me on Instagram is probably sick of seeing the same the same model over and over and over again but last night I uh, put down the final highlighting pass and I think he's done apart from the basing I'm going to do as I always do and show off a, a model on a audio podcast and the light behind me really doesn't help so no but he's in sinister silhouette. He is, he is. I'm really happy with how he how he turned out. Just for the um just for the
0: viewers uh, I'm getting a view this is quite sinister because he's like in shadowy shadowy silhouette of um a, a marine sergeant leaping in a fantastic dynamic pose just about to cut my head off I'm sure. Um yeah. I I just yeah those he looks amazing. He's got a big cape flowing
1: behind him. It's one of those ones that really stands out. Yeah, thank you. I uh, had a bit of a challenge yesterday, relearning how to paint. Uh, space wolves have all these little, they're called fetishes, little fur fetishes that are like tails clipped onto their armour all over. And I had three of them on this model, and I wanted to do them each different colours. So I had to kind of reteach myself how to do... Uh, ginger fur, white fur, and brown fur, because I couldn't have them all be the same one. So that was a fun exercise. Uh, look, we're not a, you know, we're a very progressive podcast. We do not do
0: <laughs> kink shaming here. If your space wolves want to have a fetish, then you know, it's not up to us to judge. We're not judges. Yeah,
1: I think all all uh, space wolves need at least one fetish on their on their armor, because otherwise you can't tell. Well. That's why they're such a fun team. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with how this turned out. Kind of taking everything I've learned from the last year and a half and trying to, I'm always trying to level up and everything. I want things to be as good as I can make them.
0: Yeah, and then just as a preview to future episodes, uh, this for a bit of a departure. I mean, late, later on we're going to talk about the Into the Dark teams, and. Um, I think I'm going to do the crew, but I've um, uh, I've sent you Nick, Sean the navy breeches, so you're going to be yeah, doing they in the post. Some normals. Where do you feel about doing some normals? By
1: normals, do you mean just little humans? You know, people with one heart. <laughs> one heart and only two lungs. I don't know. I think they're going to be quite little. They're going to be some of the smaller models I've ever done. I do have my Inquisitor and his warband, but even even they're still a bit larger than life. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a completely different scale for me.
0: Yeah, I I noticed that when I was because I had because um, uh, I mostly do sort of in guard, imperial guard type type units, and uh, and then I did the Phobos Marines, and I was like, oh my god, these are about twice as big.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. Anyway, you'll uh, you'll have you'll have fun with those. I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do. I've got I've got something planned, but I'm not gonna not gonna give it away until I, till I get it on the table. I think Until you get it in your hot hands.
0: <laughs> well, t- t- talking of sort of normals, um, I've been doing some more work on the tempestus science, uh, which I've been really enjoying. Um, I've got um, I mean they're kind on of, to... What, what do you call it they're um battle ready at the moment they're all kind of fully painted and stuff yeah i think there's a there's a few uh details i'd still like to add uh just to sort of pep them up but um yeah so i've really, really i've just you know i've long coveted those models i think they look brilliant i've, I've gone for ones with berets um for that kind of slightly world war Two look and uh yeah i've been really enjoying those um and then uh, hopefully I'll get, give them a game um, soon. So that, that, that's that been good. In addition to Watch that. This uh, space the, as it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Into the Dark uh, big box arrived. And for anybody who has got that already, it's bleeding enormous. I've heard. I felt like I was sort of. There was like a tsunami of plastic that came out of it. And I won't lie, I was a bit intimidated. But um, I've already built the terrain. I haven't painted it yet, but um, I've built the terrain. I've got I've got a plan for how I'm going to do it. I have to say, when it comes to terrain, I'm I'm definitely you know in the I don't know battle ready. Good enough is good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because this stuff gets used quite a bit, so I want it to be look look nice enough in a background shot or a background photo. But uh, I don't think i mean if anybody's seen the detail on the into the drain um stuff they're incredibly detailed if you wanted to go crazy picking out every little panel and skull and you know everything somebody's gonna have a lot of fun with that um but i'm going for you know what can i do quickly what's the most bang for my buck
1: y you, you say that, but your moroc terrain looks absolutely stunning Oh, thank you <laughs> immaculate immaculate blues and metals that that it really looks good even if even if it's bang for your buck or whatever
0: well, that's it i um i think really that's 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 sort of my my style really I think I do a reasonable job given the amount of hours that I give these things um an acceptable standard, given that I don't you know, I don't get, I don't get, um, forever to do these things. Anyway, that's that's really good. I can't wait to do a bit more uh, of the terrain just to make it look a bit less grey plastic. Yeah, then, then it's on to the crew after that. So that'll be that'll be fun. I've got some thoughts on that.
1: Fantastic. Are you doing them out of the box as is, or, or is it more the colour scheme that you've been thinking up?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking, colors, yeah. No, no, they're going to be more or less out of the box. But the um, there's a bit of me that okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my plan. Here's, here's the plan for the terrain, I was gonna uh prime with lead belcher and then I was gonna give it a wash of like um, I forgot which ones it's called, like Drucari purple or something, Druk- yeah,
1: Druk-hi. uh, Drucari uh, violet,
0: Drucci violet to give it kind of a so you know, metallic purplish look, and then I'll I'll will do some other metallic colours on on various bits of it, and then I was thinking the crute can be a, like purple skinned, a light purple skinned, and then that's sort of their camo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> their, their camo is sort of blending with the 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 walls of the into the into the dark terrain. I know they're not I like just that. going to be used into the dark. But anyway, I thought that would be thematically at least a bit interesting. Plus, um, purple Cruit sound
1: pretty cool. So, Yeah, I don't think lore-wise there's any reason they can't be sort of any colour. Uh, according to the Krootvasion Discord, Cruit Kroot can be absolutely whatever anyone wants them to be, so you're on to a winner.
0: Yeah, because I've already got kind of green orcs, and I might do more, you know, I can, I can see myself doing other orc teams down the road, because uh, hashtag they're fun. <laughs> but the uh, see so yeah so
1: something that's not green I think would be sort of sort of pretty good uh, yeah that's my plan wonderful well I I haven't been able to get any games in since we last recorded because I was either packing for a holiday or I've only just gotten back we're we're kind of doing this uh, very quickly after our after our chat with Sawyer so but you've managed to squeeze quite a few in well you've played the game of how much
0: Italian fine dining can you can you get in? And how many bits of
1: Roman architecture can you photograph? And well, I okay. say you've won both those games. I did. I did play. I did play the, the. We, my my wife and I only had three hours in Rome, and we did a little video of me running around literally every single landmark. Uh, tick, tick, and that tick, was great tick. fun. Tick tick tick. Seen it. Seen it. Seen it. And yes, I did eat an inordinate amount of pasta, and. Uh, if you ever go to Florence, get a Florentine steak because oh my god, there's so much meat on that table, and it was so perfectly done. That's so that's my games for the week. <laughs> come for
0: the come for the kill team, stay for the culinary tips.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, we might return to the subject of meat a bit later. So they said that was not completely untopical. I'm on th- on theme. i I've, I've had. I think I've been lucky enough to have three games since we last um, podcast. Jeez. Oh, somebody's got to carry this, carry this show. <laughs> so you, you, this may this may ring a bell with you. So I played my bloodied against a friend of the show Nick, uh, who had his scions again, and we we replayed Smoking Ruins from the Moroc box, which I think you played him on. Yeah. Yeah. I think his narratively he wanted to still get the intel so he was um and just was a bit unlucky because some different opponent turned up looking for (laughs) loot because he dropped it last time that's right that's right so this is my second this is my second game with the um with the blooded it is a strange one it's a strange one so the um for those who don't know the smoking ruins uses the moroc terrain but it, it uses them in in the way that the hab block is on top of the landing pad so you have this kind of tall ziggurat sort of thing going on which which is completely blocks the line of sight in the centre of the the board and you have some walls coming off of it. So we had a really strange first turn where we barely didn't see each other. Yeah. And then it was sort of a lot of fighting around the edges and he occasionally went over on top of the building, would shoot someone and I'd shoot him back. My Ogrin Failed to get into combat at any point, so I don't know. I never plan on yourgren surviving a game, but somehow we managed it <laughs> um, and it's possible Nick might not entirely agree with this statement, but I kind of felt it was one of those where the uh, the victor the, the victory felt like a loss and the loss felt like a victory so so spoiler uh, um, the scions got their intel. And then the remaining, I don't know, three or four troops uh, only won by basically running to the board edge. <laughs> I think they would say tactical withdrawal. <laughs> they would, to save face. So I, I basically lost, but I sort of ruled the roost. I was, you know, my guys were standing in, on the building. Yeah, you chased them off. Chased them off. I think that's how it So it's sort of like we lost, but we won. Morally, or something? Morally. You took the high ground. Actually, it doesn't sound like a, a team that, whose main thing is to kill people. I'm not sure the a moral victory is the one to shout about there. But the, um, so it's a weird game. And I, so I think Nick, Nick was almost disappointed to have had to run off to win. But, you know, he won. Uh, and I
1: almost that's felt great that's about it. About... what he had to do in our game as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: More importantly than all that, I progressed my spec op by killing more than uh, half of his team, so I I scored the the bloodbath tackle, so progressed. So that was a great game. Uh, Then I played a new person to our narrative group, Ryan. Big shout-out to Ryan. Lovely, fantastic guy, playing commandos, as everyone knows. uh, Funnest team ever. And we played uh, a good old classic Octarius Search and Retrieve, this is where you're sort of rooting through um, junk piles for, for treasure. I've got to say, my uh, my guys had a bit of a bit of a good game on this one and um, managed to win. Uh, killed quite a lot of orcs, and in the bit that I you know was notable was my Ogryn somehow killed three different uh, orcs on his own. Uh, I tell you what, it didn't go well for the commandos when on. Turn one, I think my melter gunner managed to just ev- ev- evaporate the uh, orc knob, which
1: oh my, that's days. not a good
0: that's, that's not a good turn one.
1: How did you get close
0: uh, enough? He got given an extra APL by the comms guy, I think, and then he just managed to get around the edge of a corner of a building, and the 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 orc knob was sort of forward deploying, I think. Either he's forward deploying or he just rushed rushed the middle. Yeah, and it was just a bit unfortunate uh, that it just really fell for me there. Yeah, Og- Ogren's absolutely stomping orcs. That was a thing because I've always been a bit because I've always run guard teams who are a bit scared of close combat with orcs yeah. generally, quite rightly. Uh, so this was a funny, it was a funny one. Anyway, it was good, it was a really good game. Brian's really lovely guy. Can't wait to um, play some more games with him. I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, really into the narrative side. So that's you know, he's one of us. He's one of our kind of guys. <laughs> and your last one? Yeah, so this is this this is the one. So I, I got my first game uh of Into the Dark. We played um the first of the narrative missions, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, but this is this one was called Reinforced Chamber, which has it's essentially sort of the, the board is divided into three separate rooms that don't interconnect in the middle. So you kind of have to decide fairly early on which ones you think you're going to commit to. And, uh, yeah, my opponent, George, a long-term board game friend of mine, I think this was his first game of Kill Team 21. So this is kind of an interesting interesting one for him. He has got the most amazingly painted legionaries. um, And he's got them, I think he's calling them the Lost Sons. They are dark angel fallen how about that um amazing sort of bit of lore there you can write a fantastic narrative into this game for um yeah that was a that was a pretty good game uh, uh, again well i'll probably probably talk about more this more, more about how the terrain works but it was an eye-opener very different very different from i don't know what we call it open open kill team. <laughs> yeah, yeah open boards open boards yeah so, and guard was a very interesting power, so he managed to get one of his legionaries, who has the reaper chain cannon who mm-hmm. rushed into the building first, got him behind a bit of cover, and put him on guard, which meant and it's quite open um so it was kind of meant anybody I rushed in was gonna get eviscerated by this chain cannon, yeah, so it was tricky, oh and the the that the epic fights of epic fights, where his uh, anointed— and I don't, you know, I don't know if you played against the legionists but the anointed is an absolute blend. Yeah, I, have. I really. love the anointed, and he, and he was on, you know, beast mode, whatever it is—the <laughs> one where he can't do any mission actions, but he goes a bit frenzied. Yeah, um, anyway, yeah. he charged. He charged the ogre. What an epic fight that was! It was absolute, carving lumps out of each other. Uh, and in the end, because my, my ogrin had the six up, feel no pain plus relentless, and he the Ogryn won in the inverted commas, but with one wound <laughs> left. Oh, oh, wow, that was a the rolling dice on that was just one of the best close close combat sort of single actions I've ever had. And then I'd really badly um, positioned my melter gunner, which meant his Balefire guy could just do his magic fire, yeah, and eva- you know again sort of just zapped the um, uh, the metal gunner and then splashed onto the ogre and killed him. So the ogre was just you know holding his club a oh. lot. <laughs> I have defeated this amazing close combat specialist and then got just. You know, magic set splashed on. By the cycle. <laughs> anyway, a very good game. I, I, uh, my friend George uh, won. I didn't even progress my. Yeah, yeah. Did, I didn't progress the spec op, but it's a good game. It's really interesting to try these new rules. I will tell you something. We just, uh, just to uh, mention uh, to people. So we did actually play um, this mission wrong. So something that um, Frosty Four K from. Um, the BBT Discord pointed out. Thank you, by the way, is that you don't play the barricade setup portion of the setup phase, uh, just for the narrative missions in Into the Dark. You can still put a barricade on there if you, um, in the scouting phase, if you want to choose that option. But we had barricades, so uh, this would have been a
1: really quite scarily open, open bits of um, quite wide yeah. corridors. You already you already said it was quite open to begin with, so uh yeah,
0: so this is this is fascinating. I, it it very much changes the dynamic of the game. Um for those of us who've struggled um with vantage you don't have to worry about that anymore. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> so so um so well done. If you, if you if you um if you just found that all, all quite quite tricky and going up and down buildings. Yeah, anyway, fascinating game. Uh can't wait to try a few more. Um yeah, super interesting and uh yeah, pretty good,
1: really good game. Yeah, I think I, I think I've got my, my first Into the Dark game coming up this week. Nick's managed to put his set together, so I'm gonna gonna delve in. Uh I passed my my Dremel onto him so he could um, sand his tabs. To I, use I've to... heard. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that's the that's the go to around. Yeah, I kind of wish I would just bought a normal um,
0: file to be honest. Um, but you know, I've got a Dremel now, I suppose. <laughs> so, the,
1: dr-
0: the dream of dream of many a uh, hobbyist.
1: Well, I think before we get into our into our main topic and we talk about our review of Into the Dark for narrative players, we we didn't do it last week because we talked about the Intercession Squad instead. But shall we read one of our players' uh, backgrounds? Yeah, it's one of my favourite bits. So, so this is going to be from Matt, whose team is the Red Plague. He's playing the Galapox infected. Ixion, the plague ridden had that really smug look as he continued speaking to the other demons, who were all sat uncomfortably around him in the abandoned ruins. As their eyes glazed over, he had been talking for a while. So, really, my role is to empower all of you to give 110% to this endeavour. I want us to be at the bleeding edge, please pardon the pun, of what I like to call collaborative demon synergy. A low growl started on a chair to his left, but he ignored it. Not one for allowing interruptions and continued on, speaking slightly more loudly. Now, I appreciate that there might be a a little wordy and possibly a few too many syllables for a few of us here. He allowed himself a little chortle before continuing. But the most important thing I want all of you to take away today, and a loud scream erupted from Ixian's left, as a huge double-handed sword carved through him repeatedly.
0: Heracles stood there panting, standing over the now very dead Aaxion. Who in charge now? Heracles grunted, as Aaxion's now-removed head fell down into the lap of Midas. Everyone else attempted to subtly shuffle backwards as Midas looked down at the head. He looked up at Heracles, who stared down at him with more than a hint of madness in his eyes. So, Midas started carefully, trying not to panic. I would suggest we move to the site northwest of here and secure that site for the first ritual. By killing everything, asked Her- Heracles with a terrifying amount of intensity. Yes, replied Midas. Realising that was the only safe answer. Heracles nodded slowly, and the other demons began to relax slightly. They gathered their few possessions and moved slowly towards their destination.
1: I love it. You you rarely think of demons holding like a little sit-down meeting. I do wonder if, if Matt's just um, been in slightly too many meetings in his real life and just... <laughs> um,
0: has has hoped <laughs> has dreamt
1: perhaps <laughs> of a different of way of cutting down them. that speaker yeah
0: <laughs> i don't want to project i don't want to project no we we dare not assume that's fantastic and we've got we've had a slew of new players into our narrative recently so we've got loads more of these stories to come and they're, they're going to be fantastic so look, look everyone i'm sure was looking forward to this section continuing um before the main bit of the show, of course, um, we have our regular sponsor slot.
1: Kepcot. At the end of your 20-hour shift, why not have a break before getting your mandatory two hour sleep? Try Kepcot's. All the taste of Terran sugar, but it's made up of ground larval vespids. Nine out of ten say they can't feel the wriggling. One out of ten have... Um, volunteered for penal labour. Have a break... Have a cat cut.
0: Nothing I like more than um, <laughs> a cup of tea and <laughs> some ground lava. Mm. Mm. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> this week on special offer. So yeah, so uh, there's a new big box out. Uh, you've probably seen a few other seen or heard a few other things about how well they might play the vagaries of trying to put this terrain together. Are the teams any good? Uh, what are the you know tournament possibilities? Uh, well, a lot of those things don't really interest us that much. Our big question, of course, is can we can, can we play narrative for it? And I and I've got to say we've um, I've, I've, a weird feeling has has come over me recently in that I've almost felt slightly overwhelmed by the amount that's come out for Guild Team it's been almost relentless so we've we've had well normally we get drip fed tiny things every couple of every month or something maybe every couple of months and and in the space of a relatively short short time we've had the intercession team we've had the annual with the gallopox and star striders which listeners uh, will probably cover on um, next week's episode um, rather than this one uh, and then we've had the big box. This is just almost too much stuff.
1: It's a lot to process, especially as as your your attention keeps getting diverted from one thing to the next thing, like you don't know what to focus on or what to focus your time and energy on no and it's
0: and and certainly my experience with with doing narrative campaigns is you tend to play one team a lot rather than you know. Lots of teams, a little so um, the fact that five came out all at once. So I, I passed on the on doing any in, intercessors. Yeah, um, I haven't got the annual, although I am I am quite interested in the um, Star Striders. The, the idea of a rogue trader team quite appeals to me. Very cool. You've got the Navy Breachers, so really, I've only got the crew. <laughs> in my to <laughs> list at the moment who are a team that i would you know really consider for a narrative team um anyway anyway I, we've had an embarrassment of riches uh lately but let's
1: let's see what we think about them exclusively for narrative campaign play of course so so let's talk about our setting uh initially the gallow dark the the Initial corridors into the space hulk that these navy breaches are are tearing into, to begin their delve deeper into the carcass of all these, uh, of all this collected space debris. How do we think that has narrative potential?
0: Uh, well, the way they've set this up, I think they've given themselves every single possibility going. So I think this is an eleven out of ten for certainly potential. So, um, just in case you don't know what a Space Hulk is, it's um, uh, usually two or more vessels that have gone in and out of the warp, uh, have joined together, melded, fused, crashed somehow together, and some of these get really big. Um, And the GalloDark I think they've got in here, is like the size of a small moon with hundreds, if not thousands, of different vessels this particularly the Gallo Dark um, Space Hulk has just about every race ship there somewhere including Tyranid, Eldari, Dark Elder, tons of different Chaos ships they name various specific you know um, uh, know, Traitor Astartes um, teams in it Uh, anything loads of Imperium so they've got everything covered so if they want to introduce any team in this there is there is the possibility there so the Galadot kind of comes in and out of the warp I think this one's done it at least five times and every time it gathers more stuff and more things but there are people on it and um what I quite like is that the uh, they mentioned mutant rodents, so I was quite a fan of Skaven. Could that be Skaven? Probably not. But um anyway, the uh, the possibilities are pretty much endless with this setting. Um and then on top of that you've got the idea that there's all sorts of treasure, people people live on it, people or things live on it. Um yeah, there is no shortage of narrative to play out in this and that's not even including the fact that you don't even have to use the Galadark as the setting you could make up your own setting and just use the rules you don't even have to make it a space hulk you could just use these as
1: rules for a building uh, catacombs underground that kind of thing because you your your game that you just had against the legionaries you played it as the inside of a factory didn't you that's right yeah so we're in our in our narrative at the moment,
0: at least, um, the, the setting already allows for loads of crashed spacecraft on the, um, on the surface of carrion. So it's actually no great leap for us to just transfer, you know, our narrative into these sort of already crashed spacecraft. So we're kind of getting the Space Hulk feel, except scattered around the planet. So I, I just played this as if we were going indoors. And I think if you have a narrative campaign that it's just has a setting and you, I mean, this is just the reality of it, like one person might have the you know, Octarius terrain and another person might have the Into the Dark terrain and if whoever's house you're at determines whether it's an indoor battle or an outdoor yeah. battle. So, But I don't think there's any reason you can mix this up, not, not at all. Narratively, it's very easy to string this together.
1: Well, oh, brilliant. Well, I think I think that's the that's the setting pretty covered. It's it seems so open that you know people people could do if you can come up with a reason, then it will work, you know. Uh, so I think should we talk about maybe how kill teamy are the teams that come in the box? We can definitely talk about how kill teamy they are. Um, and maybe in a future
0: episode we can talk about how. Into the darky they are. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible term. How <laughs> how space hulky they are. Maybe that's better. There we go. Um, all right. Let's 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 kick it off with one of my long term, uh, favourite factions, the Crute. Uh, the old. Maybe the old Carder mercenary. Um, so the Crute. If you're unfamiliar with them, they're they've t- traditionally been down as an ally of the Tau, but. They've really in, in this uh, if you like reading fluff, there's a whole fantastic fluff section you can have a read about the crew. So they're uh, uh they're their own race of people, and their sort of fascinating twist is that they kind of almost evolve in real time by e- eating, and whatever they eat, they take on some of those traits. And the more they eat of that thing, the more like that they become. So the uh that's a potentially really powerful way of choosing your own evolution whilst you're still alive fascinating idea uh, but you have to be careful because if you eat something a bit stupid then you're going to get stupider and i think yeah. that's the idea of where where the um the croup hounds might have come from and the uh the old the Cr- old tocs. crutox exactly and if you're lovers of the crutox i'm afraid no crutox in this fast talker kinband but what a great idea and and narratively the idea of um uh i don't know powering up via eating things i think has some potential and then on top of that so the idea is that these guys are mercenaries so from a narrative point of view you can do that whatever you like you can work for any faction you could be you could, i guess you could work for a specific faction um, you could Obviously, you know, sell your sell your talents to various different factions. You could be, you know, uh, Tau allied one day, Imperium allied the next, and so on. So this leaves just endless possibilities for how you could play this. Maybe endless, but you know, plenty. You could you could play them as a bit evil. They're certainly very ruthless, and they are killing people and eating them (laughs) (laughs) Um, for cannibal fans out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the kill teamy potentialist is is fantastic. The um it does it does raise one kind sort of sort of kill teamy issue, um, which is if you want to write a story, and one of the reasons I've been always very you know imperial guard, uh, friendly is just that you know you can, I mean, I could imagine what it's like being the imperial guard because I'm a normal person. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm not sure I can imagine what it's like to eat people that I've just killed um so much so there is that kind of issue of you got to kind of either imagine yourself as a crew as you write it or maybe don't worry about too much of that uh, got, something I'm tempted to do is to um I don't know to write it as if um there's an inquis- inquisitorial spy or an imperial spy in amongst them and they're writing the report that could be quite interesting it's like a outside view of it
1: but hey, cool. what are your thoughts i so 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 the crew in my head have always had a french accent for some reason it's it stems <laughs> it stems from a podcast that's sadly now finished called wrath and story where a group of friends would play the wrath and glory game and they had they had a couple of like uh intermission episodes where they they themselves would play a couple of crew um mercenaries uh, and, of course, because the crew themselves, um, they can talk low Gothic, but with great difficulty. Um, but they normally communicate through, like, whistles and clicks. So so for the story reason, they themselves were talking in whistles and clicks, but for us, the listeners, they did, like, an auto-translation kind of thing. And they have these French accents because they're meant to be these connoisseurs of food. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That is a so, good one. So they've always gone, like... Oh yes, this Imperial Guardsman he takes slightly of of custard, but oh now I know how to l- use a Las Volley Gun, you know? It's, pardon me for the ridiculous accent, but but that that kind of thing.
0: Well, I'd just like to distance myself from from that <laughs> accent uh, and apologise to all our uh, French and French-Canadian listeners. Uh, I'm very sorry. Sean will obviously be disciplined um, outside of the show. Um, no that's a really good idea. Uh, well just just to give you an insight into my life my um with my children last night we watched Ratatouille. Oh so yeah uh-huh, it's yes. a very cuisine based um film. So uh, I like the idea of sort of naming naming all the crew after
1: famous chefs. That would be quite interesting wouldn't it? I think I think that's almost a go to. Oh my god
0: because my original idea was to name them after birds, you know, sort of crow and you know merlin and Albatross or something. Uh, that's
1: but that's also chef... pretty great.
0: That's pretty good. It's not as good as um, ants in our narrative crew, we named all of his after chicken breeds. Yeah, that was, was even better. But I can't steal his idea. But I don't know no. chefs. Chefs I like, is great.
1: I like the idea of you know Heston Blumenthal charging down the charging down the corridor. We've got heavy gunner Ramsey ready to ready to flay a chicken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, swearing a lot of swearing. <laughs> this is it. fantastic yeah that's really good oh my god so yeah that's why i love this that's why i love this game we can we can we can do all this kind of stuff yeah so narratively i think these are, these are incredibly kill teamy. lots of potential there's very little you couldn't weave into a story here i think
1: so i know i know you're excited to play the team itself do you have one or two like standout members of the kin band um so we could give everyone a bit of a preview if they haven't got the box themselves
0: yeah, well, yeah, there's 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 lots of flavour in this team. So the um, probably my favourite of the the crew models is in fact not not included. So I was a big fan of the crewtox, uh, and in my game against the crew, I mean, I was just sort of slightly um, uh, mooning over how wonderful the crewtox was. <laughs> but the uh, you know I tears to my own eyes when I killed it. But there's no crewtox in this, as you said. But the um, but there are Crew hounds, which are still pretty cool, and still officially the fastest models in the game. That's four circle move. So speedy, yeah. And I've already got, I think I've already gotten down as Donner and Blitzen or something, you know. Um, which I think were the dogs from Magnum PI, which no one will remember because no one's as old as me. But the um, the dogs they've got to be they've got to be amazing, and this time they are officially GA2. I would like to say in our narrative group we gave the dogs, the hounds a GA2 we already a did it uh, yeah again GW behind the curve um, but wouldn't that be good a good one two if you've got a pair of these dogs a good one two of um, ferocious uh, absolutely amazing amazingly fast dogs So lets you get you into know.
1: the idea of like pack tactics and pack ambushing you know
0: yeah yeah, and these guys are doing a ten-inch charge, so Jeez. you know it's pretty, you know, lots of potential there. So that's that's one, um, and the other one, uh, I feel I've got. And there's some other some some great models generally, but the other one I, I, is the Crook Tracker. So if you this is the one they previewed the model with the bird, uh, the bird on sort of the top of his rifle, and the um, unlike the use of the bird in the Corsair team, which seems frankly a bit rubbish, um, uh, or at least not reliable, I think you could generously say. Um, uh-huh. this, is a, this is a slightly different power, but it's, it's at least reliable. Um, and my dilemma is, because currently the bird, I think you're supposed to fix it to the top of his gun, so it's like using his gun as a perch, um, but you are supposed to use a, a bird token. And you know if you've listened to to previous episodes of this this podcast we um i'm a big fan of making tokens you know <laughs> real things so i was either got to get another bird or i think somebody said they'd magnetize the bird which kind of is intriguing in itself so it can either go on top of the gun or, or on oh, that's a, cool or a token. anyway I'm i'm really not a big fan of magnetizing so um Oh, will never think another. about that. <laughs> but crew tracker, also the idea of a tracker, so kill teamy. This is like behind the lines, you know, they're stalking you, they're camouflaged. Could couldn't be more kill teamy. Uh, there, yeah, th- those are two favourites. Um, there's lots of flavour in this team, lots of um, uh, individual operative flavour. You're gonna like
1: it. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to go against you with them we we'll have a we'll have a breaches versus crew um, game and really really experience the the Gallo Dark as it was meant to be absolutely so 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 those those were a couple of the a couple of the operatives what about their their tactical and strategic ploys is there anything particularly fluffy that leaps out for you
0: yeah definitely okay so this is uh, certainly narratively Fantastic. So one of the tack ops they've got is called Butcher. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? From just the name. And essentially when you um uh when you take somebody out, you put down a quote unquote meat token. Mm. Mm. And then you need and then you need to gather these meat tokens. <laughs> um how how brilliantly crutty narrative is that? You're storing meat. Um, Your opponents, um, which makes if you go up against um, Necrons a bit interesting. I mean, that's less tasty meat, presumably. Um, I'm not sure how narratively you solve that one. But, uh, yeah, Butcher is the standout tack op, I think. Um, And, yeah, you know, come, come for the kill team, stay for the meal. That's what I'd say. (laughs)
1: Uh, i've lost track of where i am so so narratively speaking because obviously you can use this the the strategic and tactical ploys in in match play as well but but for our for our specific narrative content they get uh some strategic assets and rare equipment and and certain requisitions that they can purchase what um what really stands out for you out of our narrative uh board shall we say.
0: Well I'd say for for equipment you get you get some um uh I mean you get something called a quill grenade which is basically to you and me a frag grenade but they called it something different which is quite good. But the toxin shot that seems very kind of um hunter like you know you've got a got a way of you know poisoning your opponent which is quite good. And then in equipment uh this is basically the equivalent of a med pack, but you you can take on meat as equipment, and <laughs> if you do, you can recover D three plus one wounds. How about that? It's quite nice. Um, eat eat your way healthy. Uh, that's what that's what I'd um, that's what I'd go for. Um, uh, rare equipment, I, I, um, not massively. No, I'm whelmed. I'm in the, somewhere in the middle of whelmed for rare equipment. Yeah. Because um, they don't seem that amazing. Um, but you can take things like a, a gnarlock hide for a bit of extra protection. I quite like the, um, the idea, uh, narratively at least, of a Kroot hawk totem, because this is something you could potentially make. You could make a totem. Um,
1: which just, just essentially means you can re-roll some dice. Uh, we love We love things we can make.
0: Yeah, and then and then in Strategic Assets, the, the one that kind of, I mean, sorry, you've got one called Meat Locker. Again, how macabre is that? Um, which is about recovery tests. Um, but the one that actually kind of stands out as one I, I would actually consider taking is a weapon workbench. So these guys are not only trackers, but they're sort of self-sufficient, I think is the idea. And they can take their kind of, um, you know, sort of tools around with them uh so you know uh, uh, strategic assets sort of live in your base by the way that are kind of like um you don't generally see them unless somebody who actually makes the base like like, yeah. like me for the worm blade. But the um the weapon workbench means you can essentially have all the equipment in your stash. <laughs> um you can't take them all, you're still only limited to ten EP that you can take. But um yeah you can just take loads of equipment. It's like um yeah, you can make, the think thematically you can make the theme. Sounds pretty cool, eh? That's yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. So there's some, good, some nice thematic bits to them, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I know I know. next time we're going to talk more about battle honors and everything, but is there is there a uh, a Kimband battle honor that really leaps out to you?
0: Well, they've got some great thematic names, uh, but I've got a, I can't say that I'm wowed by a lot of the actual abilities very much Um, the uh, just um, so they've got things like savage, trapper leathery physiology and things like this and clandestine which is quite good they sound great they sound great don't they, they're they're, pretty good I mean the one one I quite like um, uh, if you could definitely get it is savage which adds um one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons which mm-hmm. frankly you need I think in this team. I don't think anyone's real you know, nobody's you know, nobody's got power weapons or anything, so you could do you need everything you can get there. Savage is quite good. Um Trap is quite good. Charge from conceal. No one no one minds that one. Um yeah, so there's some quite good thematic names in here. Um and compared to the blooded, which I'm very disappointed with the the, the faction um, battle honours, uh, yeah, some of these are actually not bad. And, and the way we we run them in our own uh, narrative group is we we roll two d6 on these tables and you can pick one of them. So there is some randomness there, but we're not just letting people just pick the, the most optimal. The best one each time. Yeah. Um, which I, I wonderful. I approve of.
1: So I think I think that's the the fast talker Kim band. It was it was a it was a brief overview, but I think I think everyone's gotten a gotten an idea for them.
0: Yeah, and Should I think we... just to, to to summarize,
1: I'd say thumbs up. <laughs> Very kill teamy. Very kill teamy. I love it. So so next up we have the Imperial Navy Breachers, which uh which I'm going to be playing and taking on. Um you're going to have to tell me a lot of things I've got the information up in front of me so we we can go back and forth a bit, but, uh, what's your, what's your initial, um, the, like the, what's the law behind them? Okay. So confusingly, (laughs) confusingly.
0: So these are soldiers who are on ships. So in our world, we would call these people Marines. But you can't call them marines because <laughs> marines mean something else, which is a kind of annoying. Um, so these are, you know, um, so these aren't the people who run the ship, fire the guns, all that kind of thing. These are people who keep discipline within it, so they put down any mutinies and uh, do boarding actions and stuff like that. Or if they, um, I guess you could extend this to if you do, um, you know. Invasions of planets, these guys might do the initial kind of landing, perhaps. Um, and the Breachers, particularly, are kind of the, the the leading you know, specialist shock troops of any boarding action. So I think the idea is that there are Armsmen, which are kind of the general guys, and then the Breachers are the, the point of the spear, the tip of the spear, who's going to be the sort of first in, and they're kind of specialists and get extra training. Um so potential there and I, and out of these two teams it's 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 really clear that these are designed for into the dark, yeah, and whilst I'm sure we could you could shoehorn them into any any narrative play in in open play I'm sure you could, but they don't seem to fit that quite as naturally. I'd say you'd have to kind of create a setting as to why it's navy people are on a planet for an extended time.
1: Okay. Okay. So so out of this out of this team of of Imperial uh military men and women that are delving down into these into this space Hulk. Uh I've I've picked out a couple of operatives that I'm excited to play with. And uh the first one is gonna be the Axe Jack. Because who doesn't love a guy who's only got a little pistol and a giant weapon? Um, he looks like a fireman who's ready to come charging through, and you know, just deal with all the problems with his axe because he doesn't have any other <laughs> any other way to deal with them.
0: Uh, anybody need any wood chopped? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I really like that he's got uh, he's got a lovely unique action called Wade in which lets him do a free charge and then a free fight action uh and if he manages to do both of them he gets reap on his uh, critical hits with his with his axe so so if he comes in and manages to charge and fight you and you're stood next to your mate you're both potentially going to be taking damage from these wide swings of the... of the chopping axe. I, th- I, th- I think that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, and this is... this is very thematic for sort of corridor... corridor in, in, you know, close quarters
1: fighting. I think that's fantastic. The model looks really good as well, I'd say. That and I think... I think... Axe. Yeah, I think that synergizes really well with his ability, which is emboldment, which is any time he does a charge action... uh until the end of the turning point he gets um he gets a five up feel no pain essentially so so if he's as long as he's running towards someone he uh he's taken less damage for it a third of the time
0: attack is the best form of defense
1: when all you've (laughs) got is an axe. exactly exactly um, so, so I'm really looking forward. I, as people can probably guess, you know, we're twelve episodes in. I love running at people and then rolling an awful lot of dice. So, so I think he's he's going to be a a fan favorite for me. Well,
0: confession here:
1: I used to be the stand at the back and shoot people, and then I got an Ogryn
0: and suddenly, ooh, it's all sounding a bit different now. Actually, he's quite fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> Rush people and roll a lot of dice.
1: So, so the next optive. I'm not necessarily looking forward to, to running them, but I think they just look brilliant. Is is the little geist skull because um, there's nothing more forty K than a little skull that floats along and delivers stun grenades. He's he's just And just just to say essentially it's, thematic.
0: It's, it's not just any skull. These are supposed to be the skulls of your buddies who fell in combat.
1: Yeah, exactly. The, you know, this is this is Jeff, who sadly passed away last mission, and now you know, he's not entirely useless. He can zip across the board and. Uh
0: yeah, no, these are really good, and I've got to say, I think these 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 sound like they'd be even mega handy in open play as well. You know, going because they got fly. Is that right?
1: It's it's similar to fly. It's it's um. Oh no, it does have fly. It does have flight. It can go anywhere it wants, but it's also got boost, which is like the Commando's little ninja grot, so it can pick a point and move anywhere. That's so cool. Yeah. And and having
0: been on the, the wrong end of of Commando grots, just nicking objectives right at the death of missions, I can see this, you know, being quite a clutch. If you can time it right, this sounds like quite a, you know... This could really do it for you in a, in a in a particular mission.
1: Yeah, and and it's always nice to you know have your friends stick around after they've sadly uh, been killed in action. What what do you think of the whole um, sort of
0: uh, old brass diving suit vibe going on with the the, these guys? I,
1: I'm actually going to be going to be leaning into it um, and giving them full on like glass domes so so it really leans into the uh the like victorian diving suit aesthetic um i love it it's it's as it leans into that retro sci-fi that uh 40k is just really known for if if you're not looking at the tactical elements of it just just taking that it's slightly more gritty less shiny and polished even despite the fact that it's brass <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's very much uh, utilitarian and not not basic but stripped back. You know, it it doesn't have to be shiny and cool. It's uh these are spacesuits suits, and it looks like they run on clockwork.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, as long as I don't have too much rum. Um
1: uh, are there any of the um tack ops you like for these guys? So, TACOPS-wise, I really like Counteract, which goes into... So, so the Navy breaches have this whole... Their their thing is all about um, playing with group activations so that the people near each other can do what they need to do without interruption from the enemy, as it were. And Counteract lets you... If you use the Breach and Clear ability, and during that group activation, one friendly operat- operative incapacitates an enemy operative and the other friendly operative incapacitates another enemy operative, or starts controlling an objective marker that you didn't control already, you get a victory point. And then if you do it again, you get another victory point. I really like that you get rewarded for playing, leaning into these abilities that your operatives have got. I really really like that. You know, it rewards you for playing the game in the style that they were designed to be played in. Yeah, I agree. It is is good when it... Yeah, these rules adapt—not adapt,
0: but make you. Yeah, force you. I don't know if that's the right word. They encourage you. They encourage you. Yeah. Um, well, you know, with the blooded, you know, um, I'm sort of quite lean. It, it's in my interest to kill as many people as possible. Yeah, that's almost my first thing. So, yeah. Oh no, I like that. That's good. What about um,
1: uh, Strahl Tech? Ploys. Any of those look, look pretty juicy. So I really like Calmhead uh, because it's something that lasts for the entire game rather than just a turning point. I think it's quite um quite novel compared with a lot of the other bespoke teams. But Calmhead lets you choose one operative, and until the end of the battle, you can ignore any or all modifiers to that operative's movement characteristic and their ballistic and weapon skill characteristics. So so, this would come hugely into doing a guard action where where you've got to take a overwatch um shot uh which is huge because normally you're doing overwatch at uh you're worsening your ballistic skill by one, but for this, if you've got a calm head, you know you're expecting they're gonna come around that corner, you're so ready that you don't worsen it so i think I think this could make this can make one of your gunners really deadly or if someone's got you know the the uh, dueler battle honour that worsens your weapon skill when they're in combat with you uh, you know you're not you're not too impressed by by how fancy their blade work is and you're keeping that cool head yeah it's a calm head for me
0: that's really good that's really good I like that how about um,
1: equipment anything good there Uh, so the go-to that everyone's been shouting about is stims, which lets you get an extra wound on everyone, but that's boring, so I'm not going to choose that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think anything really shouts out to me. A cool one is the rebreather, which uh, you know, if someone's trying to give you poison gas or stun grenades or everything, you you ignore any or all modifiers to this operative's APL, and you're not affected by the stun critical hit rule, because you've got that that blast shielded helmet down in front of your face, you know, the heavy visors on your, your breathing recycled air that's already in your suit. So you're not affected by the outside elements. I think that plays into the, you know, void, void suit aspect of it. This kind of sealed environment. I agree.
0: I'd like to give a special mention
1: to system
0: override, which is only useful on into the dark terrain. Uh, but it means you can sort of uh, in the scouting step you can open a hatch, which could be, you know, that could be really important because it's, it's very a, handy. It's an APL to open a hatch normally, um, and that's just super thematic. I don't think you know you're going to find many other teams who have that. Uh, well, I think um,
1: I think that's a really nice segue into the battle honour that I've got my eye on for nearly everyone, ooh. which is deckhand. Uh, which is every time that you go to open to perform the operate hatch action, roll a d6 on a three up, that action point is refunded back to you. That's pretty good. So you your whole team could be running and dashing and like if one of them's you know in the swing and it, their momentum hits it just right, you know they just open this door and then they can carry on through, or they could set up a duck guard action, you know. Uh, and just be ready for whoever comes around the corner. I, th- I think, I think that one's really cool. It, it could essentially make your team nearly three APL. Yeah, yeah, and into the dark. That's really,
0: that's really strong. I mean, it does make me think for the future. I mean, I've kind of because um, out of these two teams, the crew sound like they would be, frankly, probably better on an open board. Yeah. Um, and. But the breaches are, you know, thematically as well as rules-wise, they're kind of really tailored to the Into the Dark teams, Into the Dark terrain. Um, and I do wonder going forward if they're going to be doing that as a thing, as in like there'll be a team, or maybe just all the teams will be quite Into the Dark, but the uh, is it going to be a sort of thematic boarding action team? <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it's interesting. Because it, taken out of... I mean, um, taken out of into the dark terrain. I mean, just several of their rules don't don't apply anymore.
1: Yeah, they they just they may as well not exist because um, there's no parallel for it. Uh, so so speaking about like a lot of rules that get cancelled depending on what uh, what setting you're in, the the hatch cutter from the Imperial Navy breaches doesn't cut hatches, uh, and conversely, the Breacher Boy from the Commandos can't breach through uh, Into the Dark walls because they're too strong or whatever.
0: I can add to that the fantastic Wormblade ability called Writhing Ingress, which usually means you can create a kind of hole in a wall that only you can do. That would be amazing in Into the Dark. But no, that's not another, another power you can't use um, the terrain rules. Basically, say um, the big walls um, cannot be, cannot get through them, and that overrules any other rule. So the yeah. hatch cutter is a liar. <laughs> Sadly.
1: Yeah, it seems it seems counterintuitive, but fine, you know. Yeah,
0: because it's in it. I think when we initially saw that just the name of that character was thinking oh my god you can go through walls and we did wonder like you know if other teams had you know i suppose they could have they could have created a bit of an, you know into the dark equipment list that could have meant you know any team could uh or maybe created something for each
1: team that meant that they could get a welding kit or a tyranny like team a little, could have acid a little... or something DLC expansion for each team or something. Yeah, you'd only have to have one thing, wouldn't you, for um, each one. uh, That's not to stop us doing that ourselves, is it? Yeah, if you
0: are in the homebrew territory, what I can see a future episode on this. What one item would we create for each race? (laughs) Listen now, folks. That could be something like some of the future. But...
1: um, yeah, bit of a shame, but uh, there you are. I think I think while we're talking about the terrain itself, uh, should we talk about how the the narrative aspect of it being an imperial ship, or at least the section of the Galo Dark that we're on at the moment, the imperial ship that we're on, uh, does it? Do we feel like it? It can tell a story.
0: Yeah. So I think as ever with GW, I think they often like to offer an imperial setting partly because that's a lot of potential isn't a lot of stories take place on human worlds and human ships and there's a lot of them um and the fact that these things can always be derelict abandoned you know war-torn um you know just gives a lot of possibility and the you know, the imperial ship thing is generic enough that you could make it anything you wanted, so it could just be the interior of a building, it could just be a generic corridor, um, that kind of thing. Um. So, you know, but I think the possibilities are, are, are really good. Um. And, you know, uh, a lot of other races are kind of well known for taking over, you know, uh, other people's stuff, you know, orcs taking over bit of Imperium ship that sounds pretty yeah as standard um, yeah so I, I think that's pretty good I think it's pretty um in, in a way that if you had Tyranid terrain for instance that would be that's really quite specific and I can't you can't imagine many people wanting to inhabit <laughs> Tyranid ship
1: <laughs> no but that that could be our box for Terminators versus stealers. you know that that classic Space Hulk uh matchup that's true that is true going Uh, in on purge orders yeah yeah uh that's true that'd be quite a thing (laughs) it'd be huge but yeah i'm i'm obviously not going to get the into the dark terrain because you're you're having that part of the box but i do have i just got a bunch of uh, prints from Everlayer 3d he's a he's a terrain 3d printer on etsy um he's on instagram as well and he's got some uh they're called amphelion buildings they're meant for horus heresy but i'm planning on making a, a board filled of all these buildings with interconnecting doorways and everything and, and in theory it should all work the same as the into the dark walls but it'll be based off of hex- hexagonal patterns rather than square oh interesting yeah so i mean you can have diagonal walls so so yeah yeah they i've got i've got some diagonal walls but they're also straight as well i'll um i'll show you um i may put a picture up on instagram to to better demonstrate what i'm what i'm thinking yeah and in addition to that i mean i think depending on how you know if you didn't want
0: to go to the expense of buying this box uh you know, anyone listening from GW, sort of close your ears at this bit. I think it wouldn't be that hard, really, to just kitbash walls and doors and stuff. And frankly, in the past we've had cardboard corridors. You can just do that. Yeah, Cardboard corridors would be fine. Uh, certainly, rules-wise, you wouldn't be any, any worse off. Um, you know, I've, I've I've certainly played lots of other games that have used, you know, um, you know, trash terrain. Trash terrain, and yeah. So I think I think you know the terrain here is very nice. Um, it's very solid. Uh, does take a little bit of working to get it together, as in takes a little bit longer than a standard uh, open match to to set up. Uh, and it's like putting a puzzle, it's like a mini mini
1: bit of IKEA construction. It's the plan um, that it all slots together, <laughs> um, yeah, modularly.
0: But, it, but like I just got an idea it's like a mini puzzle because obviously you, all the bits aren't interchangeable, there's very specific bits that have to go next to another specific bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like a puzzle before the main game, then this is going to be a thrill. <laughs> um, whereas I think if you just had a lot of standard sized walls, um, some of some of which you can have optional doors in might actually even be easier to set up. But anyway, I think this would be not hard to kit bash or improvise uh, very easily, to be honest. Sure. Very easily. Um, much easier than the open terrain where you had to have like proper buildings and stuff like that.
1: Could you see? 'Cause I know some people built their moroc buildings uh with the with the ceilings removable and whatnot. Could you pair up the morok walls and buildings to kind of give yourself a similar layout?
0: Ooh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh maybe. I've not tried that together.
1: Yeah. Um It was just a just a thought for people who may not get the Into the Dark Box but want to give the rules a go to see if they could get a similar layout with um terrain sets they may already have.
0: Yeah, you only get a few of the, I think they're called stockades in the Moroc box, but there's not that many of them, so it's mm-hmm. a little bit limiting. But they would certainly, uh, I would have to check the size. But, I mean, yeah. you, you might want to make a start on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we don't tend to do very much uh, speculation uh, uh, on this podcast. We wouldn't <laughs> Well, lots of other people did. Uh, <laughs> you know, our fantastic guest last week, uh, Sawyer. I'm sure uh, he's done plenty of speculating on his uh, YouTube channel, which I quite like, and, and various others out there. Um, yes, I do. I do really wonder where they're going to go, and if we're just if we have seen the last of vantage points um, in this, or whether we're going to get some. It's curious, um, and it would be cool to have proper alien terrain, but I don't know. We'll
1: I, I really want us to either get necron terrain like pariah nexus was uh which is kind of this the into the dark is kind of the spiritual uh successor to what pariah nexus was Kilty marina back then um i'd love some necron terrain i'd also really like some eldari uh craft world terrain where it's all yeah. a lot smoother and curved and there's less right angles because it's not as industry-based and it's all grown out of this wraith bone. I think, I think that could be really quite beautiful. And then uh, I'd love just the classic tyranid infestation. Everything's made up of webbed uh, walls and these curved organic structures. I, I that, That's what I'm hoping for. Yes. Yeah, I mean the um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm
0: sort of a closet fan of um the uh Eldari you know, space elves um uh, and I just haven't haven't got any models because the, the um, craft world team didn't seem that amazing. I was sort of tempted by corsairs, but then there's several other people in our group got the corsairs. I kind of passed on that one. Yeah, uh, and harlequins are sort of. I mean it's, it's, uh, there's no I'm not that great a player so I'm sure I would, if I played harlequins they wouldn't be that amazing but um they, they're almost too good um cuz they cuz they can just fly are they flying inside a corridor It's not going to do you any good so maybe well that's you a say that but
1: if you if you think about them essentially like running on the ceiling to get up and over your operatives cuz they they've got the flip belt which is their how they fly? It's like a gravitational control unit. So if they can run along the walls or up on the ceiling to vault over you, if you think you're blocking a doorway, and they fly past you. Uh, well, big fan of the podcast. Lionel Richie
0: would say, <laughs> "Oh, what a feeling, dancing on the ceiling." <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, he's uh he's a big Kill Team fan. So yeah, Huge. I'm sure you approve of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel there's another list coming for, you know, the space space hulkiness of each team. I <laughs> so think so. This, a, this sounds great. Um, uh, are you, yeah. So uh, the next the next big question is campaign. Um, of course. Now, uh, I'll, I'll break this down into a couple of things because we've got. Um what you get in the Into the Dark book is you get a series of narrative missions which unhelpfully, as ever, they haven't just called campaign missions or narrative missions, they called shadow operations. Wonderful. Sigh. <sighs> um, they're naming. Someone needs to have a chat to them about naming stuff um, in a consistent manner. But um yeah, so you get nine kind of narrative missions of which I played the first one Uh, this weekend, called Reinforced Chamber. Um, That was, was, and I picked it specifically, because it looked like the least complicated, or the least, um, you know, didn't have too many bells and whistles. But there are some narratively fantastic um, elements here. Uh, There's a mission where there's limited oxygen and you need to top it off. How about that? It's not bad. That's cool. Um, it's slightly unexplained how some of these teams managed to breathe on these things. But, um, yeah, exactly. Let's not dwell on that. Um, I'm keeping my disbelief suspended. Maybe um, there are
1: pockets of air, like little airlock sections of it or or whatever. Not everything has to be exposed to the void of space. Sean,
0: I said we weren't going to... Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um what a mission I really like the look of called subsidence where the teams start on the same side of the board and basically it's a kind of race to get to Ooh. the end. And um uh and you and, and if you dash you get an extra inch of movement. That's pretty cool. Um and if you um and if you don't move you're in an unstable position and these sort of things. That sounds really interesting. Like a it's almost like a, a like a race.
1: Yeah, like the floors falling away from underneath that's you or right. something.
0: How thematic is that? It's brilliant. I love it. Um, we've got another one um, called Desperate Raid. This is where one of you's just raiding the other one for supplies. I think that's fantastic. I think that's it's the one uh, Nick and I are doing this week. Okay, well we'll look forward to an update on that. How about this one? This one's quite good. Uh, Deadly Hangar. It's basically a big room. Massive room. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Almost no cover, very little cover. (laughs) However, you can turn the lights off. And unbelievably, people seem to have gone onto a space hall without any torches. So, um... Oh, what were they thinking? Um... The uh, yeah, so the ability to, to switch the lights on and off. And if you're in it, if the lights are off, if someone's over um, blue square or three inches from you, they are automatically in cover, even if they're not. So, um, that's a that's a really that's a really cool one. Um, uh, there's one called maze breakout, which means you're kind of trapped against the clock trying to get out. And so there's just one more. Um, I want to point out because it just, um, there's one where it's a, maybe it was that maze breakout, yeah, the maze breakout, there's no, uh, it's not just four turning points, so it doesn't have to be four turning points, it's basically until you're all dead, Okay, <laughs> or, you've got, or you've got out. So that's one where you've got a long afternoon, and uh, you aren't on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a sort of t- timing uh, issue. That um, one
1: sounds similar to like the the Kilty Manuals Last Stand uh, mission, uh, where you just okay. keep going until you're all dead. Uh, yeah,
0: so that's very good. So some really good flavor in some of these campaign missions. I'm really, you know, uh, looking forward to trying them. I think a lot of them wouldn't be, you know, a bit like the ones in Octarius. They're not. Um, they're not meant to be balanced. Uh, they're meant to you know be flavorful to be to be sort of narratively interesting. Um, anyone who's played ambush on Octarius there might be some situations like that where one team has just you know definitely got the advantage of it. Um so I, I think these are great. I can't wait to try some of these. Um you do also get uh, nine um Match play missions, which they haven't called match play missions, of course, they called them critical operations. Wonderful. Uh, obviously, they can't just stick to a bloody one thing. But there's <laughs> there's there's one other element I want to mention here because this is this is a sort of big change. Is they've introduced something that they've called the Gallodark Expedition, and um, this is a way of uh. I this is the maximum way of role playing this whole thing so it's a suggestive way of stringing together a series of campaign missions um with and they encourage the idea of a campaign master or you know what we would probably call a game master a gm um and you can have a number of missions and each in each one you get points and these points are based on getting salvage knowledge resources um uh, and they they have a sort of suggested map, so you might be able to go through a section. So, you know, you're you're exploring the Dark. and you can make this campaign as long as short as you like. But they give kind of some ways of um, adding a bit of richness to this. So there are some campaign uh, uh, edicts that the master can use, um, and these are sort of like uh, you know added added bits of rules really but added bits of flavor so one of them could be this uh this mission is in low light Um, each turning point the first time an operative makes a shooting attack it gains a light token until the end of the turning point for an operative to be visible it must have a light token or be within six inches of someone that could really change the dynamic of a of a game Uh, things like this and there's a whole page of Edicts in here that are kind of quite interesting, and a a campaign master can can use. Now we, you and I, Sean, have talked in the past about the idea of a you know a narrative event, you know maybe an event you know over a day or a weekend. Yeah. This, and if anybody else is interested in this sort of concept, either running a a campaign with a proper one mission decides on, you know how the next one's going to go and tells a kind of. Uh, potentially a linear story Um, and one where you end up with a winner Uh, this is quite a good template for how to do it Um, and if we were ever to do an an event an in-person event which I must admit is slightly on my ambitions list um, this is not a bad place to start there's still lots of work you'd have to do uh, if you were going to run one but to start with I think this is a um, a really interesting idea that they've kind of laid out for us here what do you reckon
1: i i'm really excited to uh, about the idea of an actual map i think i think that adds to like the rpg element of the of the game itself and and the fact that you know we already had a a gm kind of running the running the scenes and running people through what what order we should essentially be doing missions even though we choose them ourselves but um, I really, I really like that there's this overarching story to be told. If you want to tell that specific story, yeah, yeah. So
0: uh, I wouldn't say it's a game changer because I still think a lot of people are going to just run run their narrative how they've always yeah. run it. But it's just it's another thing. So well, well done, GW. Um, I think this is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, certainly for us, I think this is something that we, we'd be interested to um, pursue at some point. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, overall thoughts on on Into the Dark, I think this is a great addition to the narrative side of this game. I think the idea of indoor missions, outdoor missions, you can adapt them. If you want to go with the, the whole Space Hulk, Space Hulk thing, oh, there's plenty of potential there. Yeah, I think this is this gives a kick in the you know, kick in the vitamins uh
1: for the game. Um I I have to agree. It seems more impactful than all of the different um all of the other expansions that we've had so far. It's it's a complete setting change. It's some new rules if you want to use them, you know. I think I think it's a bit of a refresh for those of us who have been playing the same game, essentially, for the last year. Yeah.
0: So, uh, broad thumbs up from us, I think. <laughs> uh, I think so. But I think I'd also say, if you didn't want to buy the box, um, don't worry about it. I think you could bash the terrain uh, if you can acquire the rules somehow online. Um, you're going to have a great time. Um, teams-wise, I think I am... Bit more excited about the crew Certainly, I think they they're you know have broader potential narratively because they're you know they can fight anywhere where the the breaches seem a little bit you know hemmed in space based. Yeah. Um, but saying that, I'm a big fan of the Imperium, so you know, like there's a, another bit of me which kind of thinks I I you know I can't believe I've sent the breaches off to Sean because they look great.
1: Um, yeah, no no takebacks, no swapsies. Well, and if I could just add a... You know, the reason I had to send
0: them to you is I, my, my veteran guard team are already named after famous, historic British admirals. And obviously, if I had the breach team, I'd have to call them after the
1: admirals. <laughs> you, could go, you could go for explorers instead, like Phineas and um, He's fictitious. Um, Whoa, let's not, let's not mix our non-fiction and fiction...
0: Uh, also, explorer-wise, uh, yeah, good point. I'll do that. Maybe that's another one for the for the for the crew, <laughs> actually. Per- Percy Fawcett and um, you know, Stanley or something. Anyway, uh, uh, I think that's going to wrap up this section of the show. I think so. Um, next time on Once Upon a Kill Team, we'll be talking about equipment requisition points, strategic assets, and other things which add amazing richness to your narrative kill team. We'll see what, what we think are some of the ones that stand out for us, really add to the game. Uh, and we want to uh, explore that. Uh, we might also um, have a look at the Galapox and Star Striders teams from the annual, which we've got a lot to talk about, I think. We just didn't
1: have time in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. If... What you heard in this podcast sounds even remotely interesting. Subscribe and tell your friends. For every subscription to the podcast, your Crute Heavy Gunner with Dvorgayt Skinner will gladly demonstrate just how quickly he can flay a human. If you have a few spare pennies and would like to support the show, you can do so through Buy Me A Coffee. There's a link in the show notes. Once Upon A Kill Team will always be free, and any help you give goes towards making the podcast better. We really appreciate it. Uh, We sure do. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Once Upon a Kill Team.
0: Just remember, it's not whether you won or lost. It's whether your Geist skull boosted all the way down the corridor, stunned your enemies long enough that your axe jack could wade in and reap his way through them. See you next time.